Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. Therapy notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals just keeps getting better and better. With legendary customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they're giving you all the tools you need to succeed, whether you're a solo clinician or a group practice. Try them free for two months using promo code MODERN today. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back, Modern Therapists. This is the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Vernoy, and this is the podcast for therapists about the things that happen in our field, the ways that therapists respond to the world around them. And we dive into all kinds of topics here. And we are talking today about something that was inspired by a Reddit thread in the subreddit r slash therapists by user throw, row, row your boat. That's a great one. I love that. <laughs> yes. So the question uh, the the user identifies as a trainee, and they have the question, what is your response to, I don't believe in therapy, or therapy is BS? And they say that they have heard it all the time and haven't had anyone directly say it to their face, but they want some response. So I think a lot of the commentary around this is going to be different depending on what your experience is with this kind of stuff. But Katie and I are talking about different points in your career. This is going to show up in different ways. You're going to hear it in different walks of life. So Katie, what is your kind of general initial response to therapy is BS or therapy doesn't work? It certainly depends on where I'm hearing it, right? If I'm hearing it out in the world and it's just some random person telling me, oh, you're a therapist. Well, I don't believe in therapy or therapy doesn't work. I, you know, I don't know that I engage too dramatically in those situations, but if it's someone that I I actually care what they think and I want to have a conversation with them, I'll say, yeah, therapy's not for everyone. Sometimes people get a lot out of therapy and some people don't. And there's so many factors and whether therapy works or not. I think there have been times in sessions or with clients that I've experienced that. And I'm sure we'll go through all the different types of clients where this might happen. But I have, I I think, a subset of clients who are caretakers. And oftentimes they will say, therapy is not working because I'm doing something wrong, which I think is a fairly unique situation for my client type. I think a lot of times people will blame the therapist if therapy isn't working. But that's a whole other way to approach it, right? So I think to me, I think it really, it depends is my answer. (laughs) That's an interesting point because I guess I was reading this question more in the sense that therapy in general doesn't work. And that's where people's resistance to it is. Well, there is a part of me that wants to be like, hey, that's like me saying that I don't believe in the sun or (laughs) I don't believe in the designated hitter in baseball. Those things exist. 
just because I may <laughs> or may like not them. like them doesn't mean that it doesn't work. Now, I would win approximately 0% of people over if I did take that approach. Sure. So, and I think a lot of the advice and credit to a lot of the therapists who responded on this thread, I think that a lot of it just comes down to validation. Sure. And, you know, uh, in general, it just kind of, oh, how did you come to that conclusion? And, you know, being able to use some of those therapy skills that we have that is just kind of like, tell me more about that. Tell me, you know, what your experience with therapy has been. And I think when I have done this with people in the past, a lot of times it comes down to, I had a bad experience with therapy. I didn't get what I wanted out of therapy. Somebody in my life went to therapy and they made changes that I did not like. And I am going to blame the entire profession on those changes rather than somebody getting some benefits for themselves out of therapy. But I think that oftentimes the best thing to do is validate and be able to say, you know, oh, yeah, it sounds like you did have a bad experience with therapy. And really being able to go on and acknowledge, you know, hey, there's bad therapy out there. There's therapists who are, you know, mismatched with some of their clients sometimes. There's bad therapists out there in general, like as much as we try, not everybody is great. And even, you know, sometimes I, I hear this from just about every therapist, not every single therapy session is a winner. You know, the, there's sometimes where admittedly, sometimes we have lackluster sessions and that means that you know, okay, that was a bad session, not that therapy in general is bad. So it's validating and clarifying that's not all therapists, not all therapy. <laughs> <laughs> and not even all the time with the good therapists. Not not all the time with good therapists. So I think it's it's something where the validation, I think, is disarming. I think it also is connecting. I think it's a great way to start. To me, I feel like there's there's additional elements that go into deeper conversations looking at the expectations people have for therapy or why people are coming to therapy. I think there's a lot that impacts how someone views therapy and what they get out of it. And so I know before we, you know, kind of in our pre-record for our Patreon folks, we talked about some of the the different types of clients who may have bad experiences or or have ineffective experiences with therapy. I'd like to talk about first because I think this is these are the people that I think oftentimes are the most hesitant, skeptical of therapy are folks who are forced into treatment, which yes. can be partners, it can be kids, it can be court ordered, it can be a lot of things. And so I've I've worked with a lot of those folks. I know you currently work with a lot of these types of folks. How do you approach them saying, well, it doesn't matter. I have to be here. Therapy doesn't work. Therapy's BS. I think it's the same approach to start with, which is let's talk about that. How did you arrive at that conclusion? Sure. And, you know, so this is kind of that working with resistance piece when clients are already in the office of like, hey, you know, let's talk about what 
your your perceptions about therapy are let's see if some of this stuff is things that we can you know just be able to kind of talk through and work through maybe one or both of us has misconceptions about what it is that we're here to do you know sometimes i'll hear from clients and i work with a lot of teenagers so i'll hear just like you're you're here to change my mind about things well let's talk about what your goals are and then let's work towards your goals and what i'm here to do is to help you be able to get to those goals i don't need therapy my parents are making me do something Okay, so your goals are get your parents off your back, like, <laughs> or to get out of therapy, right? To, yeah, to like graduate quicker. Yeah. yeah, I mean that was definitely the mechanism for me. It's like, okay, well, your parents want you to be here. What do you need to do to be able to get out of therapy? You don't want to be here. What are the goals that they're setting? How do we nod to those? What are goals that you have? How do we get you to a place where? Like you said, you get your parents off your back. <laughs> yeah. Number one goal. What are they seeing that's me? So yeah, it's being meeting able- them where they are. Exactly. And that's that's a lot of, you know, once clients are in the office, but the ones that I hear that make things the most challenging okay. is two household families where mm, a- divorce. families of divorce, yes. typically. Yeah. Where a parent called the the non-custodial parent or the parent who doesn't have the, I've identified a problem with my child and I would like them to go into therapy, but you reach out for the consent and make yourself known and you get met with, I don't believe therapy is going to work and blah, 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 and all this kind of stuff. And usually it's a very short conversation where there's not a lot of opportunity to be able to say, well, Hey, you know, tell me about that. Tell me what you think it is that you're afraid that I'm going to do with your child that I can help answer any questions on, because it sounds like we might not have the same idea of what we're here to do. Sure. I think in those situations, I think there's this other element of trying to get to their concerns. Yes. Because if they don't have the ability to force their kid out of therapy, it's more what is the fear around your kid being in therapy? Mm-hmm. And so obviously there's a lot of joining that has to happen there to be able to get to a place that you can actually ask that question. And that may not be possible if you've already got kind of a hostile parent to, to begin with. They're, they're being forced into this situation. They don't think it's going to work. And so trying to join with them can be very challenging. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so sometimes you just can't, I, mean, I guess I'm getting to, sometimes you just can't get there, but when you can, it can be pretty powerful to be able to talk with them about their fears, allay their fears, talk about ways they might be able to be involved so they can see what's going on, being able to talk through what goals they may have for their kid, for their family, whatever it is. I mean, it, to me, it seems like there's there's a lot of benefit to trying But I think there are a lot of clinicians who get afraid and won't step forward. And so I just wanted to acknowledge it's hard, but it's worth it. Yeah. And one of the things that I hope our beloved listeners are catching on here is we don't jump to trying to convince people that therapy works. There's not like, hey, studies show that this helps people with these. (laughs) We're not throwing evidence base at them. 
<laughs> no, because you're you're not bringing logic to an emotional argument here, no. and, and you're not going to get anywhere with that. So, while all of that logic is true, know know your audience and know how to apply that there. And a lot of what makes early resistance in therapy work, whether it's somebody can you know considering entering therapy or trying to fight against it, if somebody's trying to force them to come in, is help you know, talk about like what therapy is. Hey, this is where we set some goals. I, I can help you put some words to it, but you know, you sometimes hear like, um, you know, I don't understand how talking about something is going to help me get past it. So it might be breaking down some of the process that goes alongside that. Like, okay, well, we do more than just talk about things. We do more than just me sitting here and being like, and how do you feel about that? <laughs> I think if you can make jokes about those things, I think it's uh, something where it helps because you're humanizing the person. You're showing a little bit of humility around what therapy is, and mm -hmm. you're not treating them as a problem to be solved or their kid or them as damaged. Yeah. And I think it also goes against one of those therapy jokes that's, you know, how many therapists does it take to change a light bulb? Well, just one, but the light bulb has to want to change. There's some truth to that, but I think in being flexible in kind of your approach to things helps to work through some of the resistance about therapy. But a lot of it just comes down to not being defensive ourselves in response to however people may perceive of our career. And I think the defensiveness can be very, I don't know, tempting. I don't know that that's the right word, but it can be easy to go to defensiveness, especially early in your career, because you've invested in this. You feel like you're being put on the spot. You have to prove yourself. You have to prove that what you're doing is going to be helpful. And honestly, that's probably the the least effective way to address some of these questions and concerns. Thrizer is a payment platform designed for out-of-network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thrizer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate upfront. From the client's perspective, Thrizer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thrizer manages the claims end-to-end -end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thrizer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thrizer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf. They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. With people who might be considering therapy for themselves. I think that this is where you might also feel, you know, to the, well, have you tried therapy? Have you tried therapy with me sort of things? You know, let's work towards finding somebody that might know more about your experience, has some lived experience with these kinds of things. Then you'll see maybe some other kinds of resistance or some misconceptions about things. And 
that might show up as like, well, you know, it's just super expensive to get into therapy. Or how many times have people legitimately brought up, especially here in the last couple of years of like, it's so hard to find a therapist. It's so difficult. People aren't calling me back or they have really, you know, limited availability that doesn't match with my schedule sorts of things that does show at least some progression through like, hey, I might be in a little bit of a pre-contemplative stage here to maybe try some things out, but there's other things that are coming up. And that's also where you don't want to start problem solving for them. This is still kind of a you know validation sort of thing. You're not going to turn to that logic and be like, ah, but now that you are in thinking about therapy, have you tried it? So don't get to that sales point yet. Continue to show. <laughs> Those are also really valid concerns that get in the way of not having things get better fast enough. You know, this is really then where you can kind of turn it into, all right, what are you looking for that could actually be helped? You know, this is getting somebody else's perspective here. This is something that is not just kind of like, all right, you're going to get answers on everything. It's something where it's like, all right, really understanding where you're coming from is kind of the first part of therapy. And I think that sometimes people come in with the expectations or have this idea that therapy is just like, I'm going to get told what to do. And if I don't like it, then it's obviously not going to work. And I've already made my mind up that that's going to happen. But really being able to not take on, you know, random strangers on the street or at dinner parties or that kind of stuff. Oh, therapy doesn't work. Well, let, let me stand here and therapize you. Well... <laughs> <laughs> But this is really, you know, kind of showing like, oh, here's some very soft skills that can be done in three or four sentences that like, yeah, those do sound like barriers that would make it to where therapy potentially couldn't work in this situation. So in in talking about the the kind of the resistant folks, the people who are like, I'm being forced here or I'm being forced to accept this because my kid was brought to therapy and I think therapy doesn't work. There's a little bit more energy behind it, right? There's this element of this is threatening in some way, and I'm forced to deal with it. But it also means that there's that element of I've got to come to terms with it. When we're talking about folks who are thinking about therapy and coming up against all these barriers, it costs too much. I can't get a therapist, or I don't even know that therapy is going to work anyway. I think, to me, yeah, I think you validate those, validate those things. But I don't know that there's great solutions right now, because it is hard to get a therapist. It is expensive for most therapy. It is something where there are are people who are going to get all the way to a therapist after a, a long search and have bad therapy. And so where I go in that situation is there's a lot of different types of therapists. There's a lot of different ways therapy can work. Let's talk about what that what therapy can be and see if that's something that's of interest to you. Because yeah, if it's if it's something where you're you're going through this thing because that's the only mechanism of change that people are suggesting to you or you know, we had our our kind of the, is therapy the new, you know, religion? The, you know, like you have to be in therapy to be dateable or you have to kind of go to do, a, do your work to be safe, to be around other people. If you're in this place where it's not a, a good match, I think people are going to have more and more of these experiences that therapy is BS because it's not for that. It's not for a badge saying, I did therapy. I'm I'm safe. It's It's for actually doing some of this other work. But there's 
folks who do very intense treatments. There are folks who do more of a, you know, kind of relationship based. I'm, I'm, I'm much more relationship based, but there's also folks who will give advice, therapists who won't give advice. And there's, there's so many different ways that therapy can work that I think being able to t- talk to someone who's going to like therapy is BS because of these barriers and actually doing a little bit of education on what therapy is or could be, I think can be helpful. I don't think it's like, da 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 here's therapy and like doing a hard pitch. I agree. I don't think that's appropriate. But I think that there are so many misconceptions for people who have not been in therapy or who have only been in therapy with like one therapist about what therapy is that I think that there's that element of being able to you know, kind of get to the place of what is it they're actually seeking? Because it could be, and and I will uh, await the pitchforks, but it could be that they need coaching instead of therapy. It could be that they need to go to a psychiatrist and and think about meds management first, or it could be that they need to increase their social support network. You know, like it, it may not be solely therapy as the answer. And if they're hitting barriers and they're getting less and less convinced that therapy is going to work for them or they're that defensive, like, well, I didn't want therapy anyway. I think it becomes hard if we see ourselves as the only answer and we don't really go through the explanation of therapy can look very different with different therapists. I have two ideas that go in two very different directions here, but I love a lot of what you're saying. Okay. And so I'm going to start kind of latest first on this uh, out okay. of what you said. Some of what people might need is they might need social work. They might need to, mm. for especially more systemic problem kinds sure. of things. Yeah. If I go to therapy and I just talk about, you know, poverty and, you know, not having access to things in my life, how is talking to somebody going to address those kinds of things? I I agree. Yeah. You know, dealing with things that systemically cause problems, yeah, therapy might not be the part of it, but that's where I really appreciate more holistic looks at being able to treat people. And if that's something that can be incorporated, do it. Um, but the and other thing, then, well, let me let me respond to that before you go to the other idea. I think the the thing I like about that is that it it speaks to what we've said a number of times is that sometimes therapy can be individual responsibility for systemic problems, and that that's not helpful. And yep. so, either therapists who think more holistically or have access to resources that can help folks to actually address their systems. I think it's something where individual therapy with somebody that's going to look at you as the problem when the problem's actually the system is absolutely harmful. So I think to me, being able to get to a place of honoring Mm -hmm. (laughs) that sometimes therapy is potentially even an avenue to other services because it's real life things that are stressing people out, not mental health concerns. (laughs) Right. And I think what you're talking about also bridges to the other point that I was going to make which is I tell people, here's what therapy is like with me. I, I learned this from you know one of my co-instructors at Cal State University Northridge. We've referred to him a lot, but Ben Caldwell, he teaches the other half of a class that I teach there. But one of the assignments that we make for this class for first semester therapists is have a casual conversation with somebody. We make people video it for our class, but having <laughs> that, that way we can grade them on it. But it, it ha- seems like that becomes less casual once you're videoing it. Yes. But that's that's a whole other don't, conversation. Don't, don't have a formal conversation. Have a casual conversation with somebody about 
what therapy is like with you. Mm. And Mm -hmm. because I think that rather than it being kind of this monolithic sort of treatment where everybody is exactly the same and something that from the very beginning of our podcast and all of the work that Katie and I do is embracing what the individual aspects of things are. And so when you were talking about like, you know, some people do really intense, deep work. Some people do cookie cutter approaches. That's just kind of (laughs) some people, you know, bring out Nerf guns and shoot their clients with Nerf guns. You know, I don't always approach every single client in the exact same way. But when I talk about kids in my office, we're going to do a lot of experiential stuff. So that way they've got the skills to deal with it. And it's going to be goofy. It's going to bring up big emotions. It might even be frustrating at times. And then we take pauses to be able to be like, all right, what's the skill that we need to use right here? And so I think that part of you know trying to address the therapy is bad is not necessarily taking on that every client is necessarily for you, but also that you don't have to be in defense of every single therapist out there. I think one of the things that I see this on sometimes is kind of the reverse end in some of the therapist Facebook groups when we're, we're so quick to judge well, I would never do that in therapy. You know, you get kind of a snippet out of <laughs> a description of a client session or something like that. And it's just, yeah, that's three sentences. There's no context to that. There's no context to the yeah. relationship that happens. You know, when we did our CE episode on humor and therapy, there's yeah. definitely clients that I have banter with that it makes sense in our relationship that, all right, it's get a start with an insult. <laughs> <laughs> And it might be the client to me, it might be me to the client, but it's within such a deep context of the relationship that does not get translated out. My general advice, people, don't start your sessions with clients with insults. Sure. But it might sometimes be something that relates to a client in the way that they are best able to access what they need out of that session. Bringing us back to... (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was just going to the thing that that mostly people say work is the relationship, right? And so I think it's relevant to our conversation. I think that's a hard hard thing to sell from like a website. It's a hard thing potentially even to sell from an initial phone call, right? Is that coming to therapy with me is adding this person to your life. And this is who I am. And this is how I relate with you. And these are the things that are going to happen. And this is the type of healing relationship that we'll have. I think those things become very hard. And oftentimes those things, even though there is evidence about how effective the relationship is, I think it's hard to explain that to folks who are going, well, I want, you know, I want quote unquote medical care that's going to address this efficiently. I don't necessarily want to spend years creating a relationship with you so that three years from now, you insult me in just the right way and it turns <laughs> turns sure. my life around. Like I don't I think people signing up for some of this stuff, I think it's it's hard to do. And so I can see why folks would be like, therapy is BS and like you're keeping people in therapy forever because they pay you and it's a good business model. Like I can see people seeing that as problematic. And it's something that I feel like is the mo- the way I'm most effective in my therapy practice is in the relationships. I don't know that I'm necessarily insulting my clients very often, but like it, it is something where I know them so well 
that this one, I make a joke, this one, I say something a little bit sharper than anybody else says in their life. The relationship gives me permission to do stuff. And like I said before, it's hard to sell that as you're signing up for a relationship with somebody (laughs) that's healing. So in kind of maybe adding to this a little bit, short term can be my kid needs help with dealing with bullies. Sure. All right. Part of the experiential part of that is I am going to make fun of your child. (laughs) (laughs) And over the course course of a few sessions, if they get really good at dealing with me, then they're going to be able to deal with kids at their school. Sure. But I think that part of this really comes down to what we talked about in an episode long ago about what the Therapeutic Alliance really is. Mm -hmm. And and go listen to the whole episode, but it basically boils down to you and the client identify what what it is that you're going to work on. You identify on how you're going to do that, and you identify on how well you're doing that. Not only does Therapy Notes combine billing, scheduling, notes, secure messaging, group telehealth, and more into one streamlined platform, they're also always adding new features and forms to their library. So no matter your specialty, Therapy Notes has you covered. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free. And I think that this leads to kind of the last group of people that talk about, well, therapy doesn't work is those clients that you've been working with for a while that end up having a struggle and or are starting to drop out of therapy, not showing up for sessions, those kinds of things. And you hear some version of the phrase, you don't really care for me. You're just in it for the money. And there's, you know, already kind of an established relationship in there. I I assume, Katie, that you never hear this with your clients. So before I give my answer on this, what advice would you give to hypothetical therapists who are like, I'm hearing this from clients? I have gotten that. Of course, everyone has. Even even when I was making very little at an agency, I'd had clients say like, "Wow, oh, well, you're just in it for the money. It's a, it's a hard response because there's so much of a, it depends that goes into it because client by client, there's different ways the relationships show up. So for my clients who I have very deep relationships with, there's a lot of attachment work that's been done. I will just look at them and give them an expression like, uh-huh, really? <laughs> And we talk about it, like, what's why is this coming up now? What's going on? And and just deal with it clinically. I think for newer folks or folks who are starting to fall out or it feels more transactional to them or whatever, I explore where, I mean, I still go, why is this coming up? But I think it's that element or or for what reasons do you feel this, you know, trying to get the why out of there. But it goes to what are you experiencing from me that it's feeling more like this is transactional versus the relationship that we've developed or what's going on here that that's, that's what's brought up because yeah, I'm getting paid to do this and it could be, I'm getting paid very well or I'm not, whatever. Like I, you know, I don't know that how much of that information is relevant to the conversation, but it feels like it, it's an opportunity to double down on the relationship building and the way in which that I care for my clients and the way in which I care for that client in particular without crossing boundaries, of course, so that there's an understanding of of why I'm showing up for this client in this way. A lot of times for me, when I hear that, it's, 
coming back to the idea of what is it that you're expecting out of our work together? Mm -hmm. You know, um, it's again, it's validating to the concern. And depending on, you know, the kind of setting that you're working in, like Katie described here, there may be some accuracy. There may be some whole lot of projection onto, you know, if you're working at a free place that you're not getting paid either, like doesn't have any meaning to it. Yeah. And and depending on the client, you can sometimes make a joke about it. I'm like, well, I'm not making enough for mm-hmm. it to make a difference. So let's mm-hmm. talk about why, you, why you're feeling this way. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it does come back to that validating the concern. Yeah. And reestablishing what it is that you're hoping to work on with the client and what the client is actually wanting out of therapy. And, you know, not everybody at that point is going to be convinced to come back in for more sessions, but a lot of it's just kind of ending up being able to respond with like, sounds like you have some very serious concerns here. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, you know, been able to, especially with, you know, some of the clients that I've seen for more than a handful of sessions and say, you know, my care is free. My education and experience is what is being paid for. But really, this is not a question about care. This is a question about what is it that you need right now? Yeah. And I think in some ways, this this goes to the folks who are feeling like it's not working and you just are doing it because you're mercenary or or even some of the clients I talked about at the very beginning who feel like they're not making progress and they're blaming themselves at times when it's appropriate, when this initial kind of exploration of why it's coming up uh, is completed, if it, if it truly is their perception that there's a lack of progress, I feel like there's a few ways to go from there. One is if there truly is a lack of progress, I think there can go to, am I a fit for your needs? What are your expectations? What can we do? Is there a better fit? Like, how do we get to a place of you making progress in treatment? Or is there, are there augments to treatment that might be helpful? And so I want to honor that sometimes therapy with you is not working. It is BS and you need to refer somebody out. Mm-hmm. But I think in the other regard, and this this is something that I think is much more typical, at least for me, is they're not seeing progress because they still are struggling. And so at that point, I go into really being able to reframe and identify the incremental progress. And I think that can be very, very helpful for folks who are especially, you know, low self-esteem, depressed, the the, the folks that their their mental health concerns are going to amplify their lack of hope that they can get better. (laughs) And so being able to compare and, and, and I think this is This is something that I think community mental health helped me with is we always had to justify medical necessity, even with clients that had such tiny bits of progress that I'm always looking at, let's look at where you were, where you in the beginning, where you are now, and what is different? You know, it's like one of those pictures of like, can you identify what's different in picture A and picture B? It's like, sometimes it's the tiniest little thing, but being able to see those things was part of my documentation for Medicaid Uh, and being able to say, you being able to tell this to me right now is progress because of X, Y, and Z. Or let's think about where you started and what you were dealing with then. And let's look at what you're dealing with now and being able to really see and, and explain very explicitly what progress has made. And I think 
the reason I say community mental health helped with it is because that was, we had to do that to be able to keep these clients longer term. It also helped with hopefulness because it's mm. like, you know, these tiny little incremental progressions, they they still had so many huge things they were dealing with, but being able to see that tiny little progress is is magical <laughs> in a lot of ways. And so I think being able to see it, being able to talk about it, and being able to do it with a straight face, meaning that you believe it and it's real and it's not, you're just trying to scramble to say like, oh, progress has been made. I think is hugely impactful for the therapeutic relationship and can oftentimes be the jumping off point to additional goal setting or strengthening of the relationship or the things that you were talking about. I think the only other point I wanted to make about this last point is if therapists are brand new and defensive or if therapists are burned out and feel like therapy doesn't work either, I think both of those conditions And obviously not every new therapist gets going to get defensive and not all experienced therapists are going to be burned out. I'm I'm just saying when that is the case, it can be very hard to hear that therapy is BS. You're just in it for the money. Therapy doesn't work. You're a bad therapist, whatever it is. Those things can be very hard to hear. And it's hard to then have the resources to be able to think through how do I address this clinically? How do I validate their point of view? And how do I find their path towards healing, whether it's, you know, yeah, let's find a better match or let's look at the progress that's actually been made or let's look at the possibilities of what we can do in our work together. If you don't have resources or if you feel so hurt that someone said this to you, it's going to be very hard to get to those places. And, And so it's getting the consultation or supervision that you need and seeking the resources that are in whatever that community is, whether it's a group supervision group or consultation group or friends, colleagues, whatever, to get get to a place of, of groundedness and wise mind, whatever the right word is for you, so that you can actually engage in these conversations without them feeling painful. We would love to hear your thoughts on this, and you can do that. Share it with us on our social media. Join us in our Facebook group, The Modern Therapist Group, or reach out to us in any of the other ways that we respond to our wonderful listeners. If you like our content and want to find other ways to support us, please consider supporting us on Patreon or Buy Me a Coffee. You can find our show notes over at mtsgpodcast.com. And until next time, I'm Kurt Whithelm with Katie Renoy. Remember to check out Thryzer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. Thanks so much to our partner, Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, using promo code MODERN gets you two free months. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes.